Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelo. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. You know, through the month of May, we've been celebrating both Older Americans Month, and we're also recognizing that nationally, this is Disability Awareness Month. And when we talk about disability awareness, what we're really talking about is the fact that you're your best asset. We always look at that in terms of, you know, your ability to um, provide value to others, your ability to earn income, and so forth. And with so that in mind, what I'd like to spend our time on today is really talking about, you know, the probability of disability, what happens if something happens to you, what resources are available. And with that in mind, I went to one of my experts that we have in-house at our organization, Richard Pasek, who's CFP, CLU, CHFC. Um, he's one of our senior vice presidents and partners over at CNA Financial Group, and he runs our disability advisory department. Rich, welcome. Pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Frank. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Rich, you've been with me a long time in the financial industry, and you know, you've led our organization in really educating people about disability. And what's interesting, you know, when I think in terms of disability, everybody always thinks it's always the other guy. It's never going to be me. And the reality is, is that it could be any one of us at any given time. Now, before the show started, Rich and I were just having a little conversation. And maybe, Rich, you can share with your, our audience. Uh, last night you had dinner with you know, some new doctors that were just graduating and a little bit of the conversation that came up because I think it would be insightful. So, Rich, why don't you share that with us? Well, thanks, Frank. Yeah, I was down in uh, Philadelphia last night having dinner with five soon-to-be doctors this Sunday to graduating Penn Med, which is they're excited couple orthopedic surgeons, a neurosurgeon, a plastic surgeon, and a, a research scientist. And uh, we were sitting around and we were talking about protecting their most valuable asset, which of course is their ability to earn income now and in the future. So I protect them and I sell residents and, uh, and senior medical students disability insurance. So one of them asked, what's the chance of us becoming disabled? So I know for a fact that according to the consumer of disability awareness, that about one in four will become disabled one time or another between ages of 20 and 65. That's an astounding fact. When I told him that, one guy turned to the others, and these are all young guys, about 26 years old. He said, so that means one of us at this table will become disabled at one time or another. I said, absolutely. And we can't pick out who, but that will be devastating financially. You know, it's interesting, Rich, is, is that all of us know someone that that occurs with. You know, I, I remember years ago, you know, when I was much younger, and it was like my dad in his mid-50s was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease and wound up within a very short period of time. He ended up on, you know, disability, um, and, you know, thank God he had lasted almost 15 years with that disease. Uh, most of the time it's only five, but we all know people that that occurs with. You know, in fact, I'll give you another interesting one which was, um, fortunately, he'll be all right, but he'll be out for a while. We had one of our young associates, uh, early 30s. Um, he's celebrating his anniversary with his wife. They're down in St. Martin. Um, he's riding on a wave runner, hits a wave wrong. The wave runner hits him, you know, when he comes down on bounces it. Bounces up. Yeah. Bounces up, and he shatters three vertebrae in his back and ends up having to be evac you know, medevaced from St. Martin to Florida, ultimately to New York, and he'll be out on disability for several months. Wow. And so this is a, perfectly healthy, never thought anything would ever happen. So it does happen. So, you know, when we look at that, you know, we always look, it could be the other guy, but you don't know. 
And yeah, it's important. Yeah. Frank, believe it or not, now there are about 37 million Americans classified as disabled. That's about 12% of the population. That's amazing. And of those 37 million, about 50% of those are in their working years between age 18 and 64. So kind of we visualize disabled as sometimes the older, decrepit person. It's not. Sometimes they're working years, and they just can't work and earn an income. You know, and Rich, you said something before, and I know that you know we always promote it you know, on the show, which is that the individual themselves are their best asset. So when we talk about responsible wealth and being responsible about your wealth, well, if you understand that your abilities, um, your ability to earn and everything else, how valuable that is, the reality is is, you know, if someone worked a career of, say, 40 years and they had 50000 a year of earned income or whatever, you know, that's $2 million over their lifetime. Yeah, without or, inflation. Without inflation, exactly. Or if you're earning 100000 a year, that's $4 million. So if a disability occurred, at what point did it happen? If it happened early on, that's $4 million worth of revenue and lifestyle and earnings and everything else that's lost for that period of time. And even if it happened in the later side of life, the reality on the later side of life, and you know, Rich, you and I are somewhat similar in ages, but it's like if you think about it, early stages of life, you're building your life, you're paying your bills, you're doing all that, and then you finally get your three kids through college, and then it's like, okay, I, I need to start saving you know, for the day comes that you know, I may need to retire or slow down. And if it happened at the early stage of any of that, you know, you're never going to hit where you need to be financially in order to be financially stable later in life. So it's challenging. Yeah, even a short disability, short-term disability, six months, a year, could devastate a financial plan. It can devastate the retirement of that person if they had to suck money out of their IRA or whatever, you know, during the years of, you know, supplementing their expenses. It's terrible. Richard, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I, you know, I took a little note when I was thinking about us having this conversation today. And one of the thoughts that I, you know, would share with everyone is, you know, if you were to think in terms of the ability to save money, and Rich, if you save 10% of your income for 10 years, in other words, you would have effectively have accumulated at least a year's worth of income plus some growth. A one-year disability to a two-year disability would wipe out every dollar that you save mm-hmm. there. And yes. people think in terms of, well, you know, if I was disabled, I'm not going to need as much to live on. It's like, I got news for you. Deductibles that you didn't pay for before, you're paying. Coinsurances, medicine, maybe extra health care help. You're home more than you, you know, where it works, so you tend to spend more then. So your expenses may have gone up, not down, when you're on a disability by far. Yeah, absolutely. That's why every client I work with, one of the first things we look at is their risk of disability, not only their physical risk, but their risk financially if they became disabled, how much of their, their earnings are, are going to stop. They may be working part-time because of a disability also. That's called residually disabled. But in addition, their money con- being contributed to their 401K or IRAs will stop. We want that money to continue if we can, and we do have programs that will continue that. So I protect my clients as much as I can. So, Richard, let's just stay with the conversation, which is I think that our listeners get the concept that it could happen. And it's interesting is when we say it could happen, you know, I know that you were reading some statistics and you, you know the, you know, as far as what's the probability of it happening. And you just mentioned that. But a lot of people think, well, it's going to be an accident. I don't do anything that's going to be high risk or whatever. So maybe share a little bit of what actually are the causes for yeah, it a little that, bit That's more. a great question, Frank, because most people do think of disability happening to the other guy, 
and they're not engaging in a risk behavior. You know, they wear seatbelts, they drive careful, whatever, whatever. They're not working on roofs, of course. So the common belief is that a serious accident will – about 71 percent of disabilities are caused by accident. And the reality is about 28 percent are really caused – about 10 – I'm sorry, about 10 percent are caused by accident. Which means that the other 90 percent of dis, you know, disabled things are sickness, okay, you know, or some kind of uh, the the top one is a muscular skeletal disorder, right? Or a connective tissue disorder. So that's the number one. About twenty eight percent in reality are the real cause of disability, which are not viewed at very high on the spectrum of people's beliefs. So it's one of those what you don't know can hurt you. Yeah, cancer is <laughs> another one. If we did a poll, about forty five percent of people, or people believe that forty five percent of disabilities are caused by cancer, and the real fact is it's somewhere around fifteen percent. Wow. And there are multiple of many other ways uh, people get disabled they don't really even think about. So as I listen to, you know, what you've said and to, you know, what our conversation has been up till this point is, is that our listeners should realize it could happen, could be you. You don't know how it would happen. Could be accident, could be sickness, more probability that it would be a sickness or something. And that being the case, Rich, what resources would people go to in the event of a disability? And, and when I say that, people go and they go, hey, if I become disabled, I got workers' comp or I got state disability. The question is, is one is, how do those, some of those work? And what's the probability of them really getting their income covered by that? Mm-hmm. You know, and when I say the probability is, you know, so if our client is, you know, or our listeners are in $100,000 a year and they go on state disability, I don't think they're getting 100% of their income covered. No, absolutely not. So, there is only a few ha- a few states that have state disability plans. New Jersey is one of them. New York is one of them. And there's a few other states. So the fact is they're going to collect about 500 and some odd dollars per week after a seven-day elimination period. But, Frank, it only pays for six months. The state disability only pays for six months. Then a person which is available to all people in all states, they may be able to turn to Social Security disability, which first off, the disability uh, definition is very restricted. A person has to be deemed disabled that it must last at least one year or result in death. And the bottom line is it kicks in at six months, but about 70% of those who first apply are declined. I, I remember years ago, do you remember, Rich, there used to be the commercial with the old lady sitting there with the rejection you know, thing that yeah, she they, kept hitting all the buttons? I think it was for yeah. an insurance company, yeah, rejected, probably, rejected, yeah. rejected. That's, that's how it is. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's interesting that, you know, when you just gave that number, too, which is like for our listeners are predominantly New York, New Jersey, and when they're listening to this and you heard the number that it was 500 and something dollars a week, you know, the perspective that I, I always provide to people is, is that let's look at it from, a, this pers- from this perspective, which is, Rich, let's say you were earning $100,000 a year, okay, which means perhaps you're taking home $1,200 or $1,400 a week or whatever after taxes. Mm-hmm. It's not like you were saving half your income. You were no, living on right. all of your income. Most people need everything they earn, just about. Yes. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, if you became disabled, then all of a sudden your income dropped to 500 and something dollars a week or basically cut in half or whatever the case might be. How do you think you're going to be okay on that? That normally, it just doesn't work. The math doesn't work. Yeah. Plus, Frank, don't forget there, whatever was going to be contributed to our 401k stops also. And when that stops, the employer contribution stops. So it's like a triple hit. I remember reading a while ago that, you know, number one cause of foreclosures in the country, I believe it was due to disability. 
Yeah, about 48 percent. So it's like when you look at that, it's, you know, obligations that people make, all of a sudden those obligations, you know, they're not able to live with, and they look and they go, I got to eat or I got to pay the bills. And they know that, hey, you know, so next thing you know, they start getting behind on the bills, mm -hmm. the mortgage, whatever the case might be, and it is problematic. Yeah, that's why we want to look at that and make sure we – wrap around a state and social security disability, a personally owned product that will pay in addition to, because don't forget that state disability and that social security program is taxable. It may be, depending on how much you make, how much social security is taxable, but it's a taxable benefit where personally owned disability insurance can be set up completely tax-free. So, Rich, I'm going to go to one other, which is, you know, there's some people that, you know, wonder or may be covered by an employer under group disability. And one of the things that I, I think we should share with our listeners is that group disability that they're covered with, the first thing I'd like you to maybe share with them is uh, how is that taxed? How do those benefits typically work? Does it cover 100% of my pay or what's it typically covering? And uh, do I get that in addition to, you know, uh, state and workers' comp and all that, mm -hmm. or do they work together? So maybe just take a little time and talk about that group side for you know, if you work for a large company, you may have group because some of the large companies do. But I will tell our listeners, most of the small companies don't. Yeah, they don't. That's for sure. Yeah, large companies typically do offer a disability. It's usually set up at 50 or 60 percent of income, almost always not counting bonuses or commissions if a person's in a sales job. So, for example, if a person earned W-2, $100,000, in addition, they may make 40000 commission or bonus. They're only insured at, let's just say, 60% of 100000 or about 5000 a month. So that's the first thing. It is re reduced. Some companies have caps also. So the company may only give a maximum of $5,000, even if the person made $200,000 per year. So, uh, so if it's employer-paid, Frank, it's almost always taxable. So if right. it's employer-paid. So it's going to come in as a taxable benefit. So the 60% really winds out to be about 42%. In addition, almost all groups are what's called Social Security integrated. If, if Social Security pays, which we said many cases are declined, but if it pays dollar for dollar, the group is reduced by that amount that Social Security is paying that person. So that's the first thing. That's a very restrictive benefit. In addition, some of the groups are total-only disability. I mentioned briefly about right. what's called residually disabled. So if a person is able to work but part-time, that group may not pay anything. Got so it. if the person's there kind of in, you know, in, I don't know, therapy or kind of, you know, getting better or whatever the case is. So that's also very restrictive. And, again, it could be reduced by other benefits being paid. That's the big thing. Very good. So, Rich, if our listeners were to go and research on their own, uh, perhaps having their own disability program, maybe you could just take a minute and cover a few of the highlights that they should look for in a good plan to make sure that they properly protect themselves. Great, Frank. Uh, there's a great website out there. Uh, it's called disabilitycanhappen.org. It's put on by the Council for Disability Awareness. It is really packed with tons of information about group, personal stories, facts, stats. It, it is really good. In addition, there are other areas that a person may, may turn to. The American with Disability Act is another information about disability, you know, percentages and stats and so forth. Disability.gov is another one for the Social Security Disability. National Organization on Disability. There are literally many websites and, and organizations that supply this information. Great. 
And if somebody, you know, was pursuing doing something on their own, that individual type coverage that they should get should be, and just, you know, we'll highlight a few things, quality company, because mm-hmm. quality companies tend to pay their claims better. Yeah, a lot less companies are selling disability now than years ago. Uh, what's the best definition for someone to have as it relates? Because definition matters. Yeah, two things, Frank. One is called non-cancelable guaranteed renewable, which means you, the insured, can cancel, but the company can never cancel you or change any definitions or raise rates. And the other one is what we, it's referred to in the business as own oc, own occupation. So, Frank, if you can't be your particular executive in your company, but could go work at Quick Check or sell cars or whatever, they'll pay full benefits. Very good. So for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Our guest today has been Richard Pasek, CFP, CLUCHFC, Senior Vice President and Partner over at CNA Financial Group. Rich, again, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. It was great. And this has been your host, Frank Congelos. If you have questions, you can write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, 08736, or email us at info at IFRW.com. Thank you and have a blessed week.